Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, it's Monday. Welcome back, everyone, to the Standing Brothers Show, episode 92 of this year program. Now, did anybody happen to see, if you don't know if you've watched it or if you've seen the highlights of the tickle fight that happened, uh, uh, yes, like it's last night, did you happen to see any of those highlights from that tickle fight yesterday, Jacob? Uh, the fight that didn't matter and the fight that no one cared about, right. except if you were uh, forced to care about it. Or if you were actually in the fight because you made insane amount of money. Before you even stepped in, into the ring, yeah, um, no one cared about this this thing. So, of course, I'm talking about the was the the Paul guy and the Floyd Wayme- uh, Floyd uh, Mayweather, who apparently is a good boxer. I had no idea, but some YouTube star decides to go at it with a pro boxer, a retired pro boxer, and because it was an exhibition fight, there was no winner, so it was just a huge waste of time. And I watched. I know nothing about boxing, but from the from the thirty second clip that I saw from the the pay per view thing, because of course it's pay per view, you can't watch it. Um, it looks like uh, Floyd May- Floyd Mayweather did better. But again, I only watched a thirty second clip from eight round fights. So what do I know? Apparently nothing. Uh, I I really really do not like the the Paul brothers. Um, I think it's kind of. I think it's very telling of our culture that these two know-nothing YouTube stars uh, build up their so-called careers to a point where they're making hundreds of millions of dollars uh, fighting retired boxers. Like how This culture is so stupid. One of the Paul brothers beat one of these retired fighters who is probably twice their age, and there's a video of him getting onto a private jet with a bag full of money. And I thought, this culture is so stupid. How stupid is our culture that we have these things, that we elevate these stupid, stupid uh, YouTube stars to these ultimate fighters? I, mean, I just, I, yeah, I hate it. Uh, and then there's also the insufferable Yankees. I don't know if you saw this, but they got beat last night by the Red Sox. And it just adds on to the, uh, the dread that is the 2021 season. They, they can't buy a win. They couldn't hold a lead if they had a gun tail to their head. Yeah, I mean, uh, we are, um, I mean... It was after the was after the series with um, the Tigers. The the, the Tigers swept by the Tigers. The Tigers in Detroit. I um, I uh, raised the red flag. I said it, it is. We are in. We are in danger. The danger zone right now. There's no more of this. Oh well, they will just you know. They'll bounce back. They'll bounce back. No, we are in June. Um, in the last 30 days, we have the 29th. We are 29th in runs scored. Yeah. We can't. They can't. Twenty fifth in in overall OPS. Yeah. So they can't hit. No. They can't run the bases. Defensively, it's very shaky. The only thing that's good is starting pitching. Starting starting pitching in the bullpen are are, are good. One of the best. In but the, everything in the else is terrible. They can't yeah. run the bases. They can't hit guys. You know, on second base, get around to score at home. Uh, they can't field the ball very well. And to me, I scratch my head over the the acquiring of uh, Abdul. Uh, um, Rudna Odor. Odor. I'm sorry, I can't, Odor, I, can't, yeah. I can't pronounce his name. I think it's very telling the fact that the Rangers are paying this guy 13 million dollars a year not to play on their team. <laughs> uh, I think that's fascinating because he has a, a sub two uh, batting average and he has an OPS of like 250 career, 
and he is a subpar uh, infielder. So I, I I just wonder what the analytic people saw in this guy and what Cashman was thinking when they got this guy because uh, he's terrible. He's not good. Sure, he's had some clutch hits every now and then, but every player goes through the motions. Um, this guy isn't good, and I, I if if a if a team an, an organization is willing to pay someone thirteen million dollars not to play on their team. I think that says something about that player. What? Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know enough about baseball. Maybe I'm not a general manager of a baseball team. Maybe I'm just some stupid fan from middle of nowhere, Georgia. But, um, yeah, it's not looking good. Um, and I see Aaron Boone saying, well, we, well, we'll get him next time. we got to be better. Uh, yeah, the time to be better is past, bro. Yeah, we, we, um, we just got swept by the Red Sox at home. Yeah. Um, didn't now, even pick up a single win. Now, that's, the Red Sox are a good team this Still, year. Still, though. Still, though. No. I would much rather get swept by the Red Sox than by the Tigers. But I would love to at least get one of those games. But if you're going to get swept by any team, let it be the Red Sox and Rays, not the Tigers. Let's be honest here, folks. But enough of, all, enough of that stuff. So... Last yesterday, Brian Selter, Selter, Selser, whatever his name is, from, quote, reliable sources on CNN on Sunday, uh, interviewed Jen Psaki, the current press secretary of misinformation, I'm sorry, of, of um, for the Biden White House. Uh, they, did a, they did an interview, and I, my jaw literally hit the floor when the questions were coming from Brian Selter. Because if you've ever wanted to know what state-run media would look like, it would look like this. So, of course, they're going through questions about the Biden administration and, you know, her aspirations to become the press secretary, her background, and all that other fluff nonsense. Then we get down to the nitty-gritty of the whole thing. And um, Brian Selter has said, well, um, you know, the White House Secretary, White House press secretary faces some unique challenges uh, they've got a busy summer ahead with infrastructure election reform. And he asked her, uh, what does the press get wrong when covering Biden's agenda? When you watch the news, when you read the news, what do you think we get wrong? What the heck? What? No, what? what is this? This is state-run media and nothing else. Here you are having uh, the, the, the news people, what people would consider you know, the news, right? This is CNN. This is the mainstream media asking the press secretary for the Biden administration what they're getting wrong. Does anybody see a problem with this? Because if we go back and look at, I don't know, just a couple of years ago on how they were, not even just a year ago, on how they were treating the Trump administration, do you think Sean Spicy or Sean Spicer ever got this kind of treatment from Fox News? No, they didn't. Fox News did not treat the Trump administration this way. That is not... Uh, in any way supporting Fox News from us, just to be clear. But they never got this kind of support. You know what? You never saw Bill Hemmer or Chris Wallace saying, Sean Spicy or Spicer, what are we getting wrong when we cover the, the Trump White House? What can we do better to make sure we're giving accurate, factual information across the American people? That never happened. Never. And you never saw that happen when Kelly McEnany, whatever her name is, uh, would talk with people from CNN and other things like that. It was always a confrontation with the media. So you see the difference now with the Biden administration. You can see 100% plain view that the Biden administration in CNN and other, and other places, maybe not so much MSNBC, but other places, are like, you know what? We're all good friends here. It's the third arm of the Biden administration. That's what CNN is. So 
Glenn Greenwald had a good little Twitter thread on this. <laughs> These are so great. So Glenn, he's responding to a uh, uh, something that someone had tweeted out saying, Beat me, Jen. Tell me how to be better. And he puts the, the emoji with the hearts on the eyes and then three North, North Korean flags over it. Uh, he, he has a... Uh, he says, liberal male TV personalities really love Jen Psaki. Uh, he says, have I been a bad boy, Jen? I want to be a good boy. <laughs> he said, somehow Brian Seltzer uh, managed to take his uh, hum- humiliatingly, humiliating, humiliating, I can't pronounce that word, uh, tell me why I'm bad, Jen, to start his interview and get more psychopathic, psychopathic from there. Even Jen Psaki would be thinking, oh my God, the intensity of this Oh, poor is uncomfortable. It's, it's the desperation for this for this man. Yeah. Is... Two actual questions from CNN to uh from from a CNN host to a spokesperson for the planet's most powerful politician. Tell us what we are doing wrong. How can we be better? Like you, I have young children. Do you ever worry why? Do you ever uh, worry like I do and how the GOP is running the country? That's a, that was a question that Brian Seltzer asked him. Saying, "How do do you worry about how the GOP is?" potentially countering the Biden administration is complete nonsense. Uh, Glenn says, I'm not using hyperbole when I say that the interview that Brian Seltzer did with Jen Psaki yesterday should be studied in journalism school. It's one of the most psychopathic interviews of state official you'll ever see. This is how state TV functions. He's absolutely right. And then Aaron Matei uh, said of reliable psychopaths. <laughs> He's like, give me a 10, give me a 10, give me thunder. Yes. Give me your praise. Yes. yes, shower him with your praise. Shower me with your tens, please. Yes, give me a ten. If you're not giving me a ten, why not? How yeah. can I give you a ten? So this is the same guy, Brian Seltzer, Seltzer, whatever his name is, um, who routinely spread misinformation and lies about the Trump administration with the whole Russiagate thing. He said matter-of-factly that, that the Trump administration, even Trump himself, were agents of Russia, were Putin's puppet agents of the Kremlin, arms of the Kremlin. He said those things on a show called Reliable Sources. So I'm sorry, I can't take this guy seriously when he's asking the press secretary, the person who is in charge, to lie on behalf of the president. Brian Seltzer said routinely, the president's agenda, the president's point of view. Yes, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to lie to the American people about what the president's saying. Yeah, yes, sometimes there might be a grain of truth, but it's always shadowed in jargon and nonsense about how, well, the Biden administration's doing this X, Y, and Z. Now, of course, every administration does this, but for the fact, for for anyone, if you're going to have a show called Reliable Sources, you have to at least say, you know what, this is coming from the government. This is the spokesperson for the president, the most powerful person. If, you know, one of the one of the, if not the most powerful person in the world, this is their narrative. So take it with a grain of salt. They may not be telling the truth. There may be some misinformation in this. But no, no. Brian Seltzer says, "What are we getting wrong? How can we be better? Am I being a bad boy, Jen Zaki? Please, I want you to tell me. Am I being a bad boy? This is reliable sources here. Come on, please tell us. Give it to us straight." So Jacob, what what do you think about this? I mean, this is just um, well. What happened with with all this is that for the last four years, they had a man in there who they didn't control, who didn't like them, um, for whatever prerogatives, brash, whatever, whatever he had. He had some kind of bone to pick with the media, 
and now there's this perception there's this perception that we're back to normal uh that we're back to we're back to the sunshine and rainbows we're back to um the adults in the room right right the the adults are now in the white house and not this crazy um orange cheeto hitler man um he's not in there anymore um, but I, what i do find funny is that when Stelter said this, it, he probably didn't even wince or didn't even realize what he said. His mind didn't this, even this cross could be a his mind that that hey, this is gonna look really, really, really bad, bro. Uh, I don't think he even realized it, and that because he didn't realize it, is because this is a this is a this is a mask slip. This is how he's always felt about this. If going back to going back to Obama and all the other people, is that his side is in now. It, the people that, that he want is in and now he's going to shill for them because for the last four years he had nothing to do but just to go up there and have this righteous um doctored anger t- towards uh towards the trump the trump the trump administration and uh it, it it this is not how i mean look if you ever needed any more evidence to 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 see that 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 the press is not on your side. The press is on the side of the elites, and basically they're the propaganda wing of the elites. Look nothing further than this. You never would have saw uh, anyone in the media, e- even even the supposed Trump-loving Fox News Network, go up there and say, hey, how can we cover you guys better? Or what are we getting wrong? That's uh, not the job of the press. The job of the press is to report facts and the news and to hold people to hold powerful people accountable um is not to ask the people of accountability to be like so how can we be cover better. cover your side more fairly like like what are some things we can do better what have we done that's that's wrong um that'd be like an advisory board asking the people that they're advising how can we do our jobs better how can we advise and how can we um oversee what you're doing better uh, this is this not this you you have flipped the relationship there the relationship it's, there is, is yeah. has been um null and void at that point and anyone who still can say um that that cnn is not um or any of these networks are not just complete propaganda wings for the state uh I, look if you if if the, if the if the past four years have have not been evidence enough and this is not evidence enough you'll never be convinced of it um, there's just there's just too much dang data out there um, for for you to change your mind, and you're kind of lost at this point. So Molly Hemingway commented on one of these Twitter threads, and she said, Our corrupt media are absolutely nothing more than propagandists and should be treated as such. And then Brian Selter comes back, Maybe all Republican secretaries are allowed to comment on the news media's performance. Is that your new rule? No, she, you're not commenting on the, the performance of the news media uh, there, uh, Brian, you're asking the press secretary if the media is doing a good job representing representing the president's agenda. That's what you're asking. Are we doing a good job saying that, you know, saying that the president's doing a good job with, with the coronavirus response or infrastructure or the Build Back Better programs or whatever? You're asking them how you can better manipulate the audience. That's what you're asking. You, let's get down to it. How can we better manipulate the people to believe this, the nonsense you're spewing out at the press, sec, at the press briefings or whatever? Now, I, 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 distinctly, I distinctly remember when Sean Spicy, I mean, Sean Spicer came out 
uh, with the whole Trump had the largest crowd size at his inauguration, which is stupid nonsense. It doesn't matter if, he, if there was one person there or one million people there. It doesn't matter. But he comes out and says there's undeniable alternative facts supporting the idea that we had the largest crowd size at, at Trump's inauguration. I remember Fo Fox News hosts Fox News hosts ripping John Sean Spicer for saying those things because it's ridiculous. Who cares? Should 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 Greg Gutfeld or, or whomever Bill O'Reilly should he have gone on with with Sean Spicer saying how can we better manipulate the audience to believe the fact that sh that Trump had more people at his inauguration because that's quite literally what they're this is the same situation here with with Jen Psaki and Brian Seltzer. Um, he also goes on to say something about for Brian Seltzer issued a longer uh you know addressing. The criticism from Molly Hemingway saying, My Twitter mentions right now, liberals are mad at me because I asked Prince, uh, Press Secretary uh, about why Biden won't hold more press conferences. Conservatives are, are enraged because I asked her, What do you think we get wrong? And I feel so old fashioned thinking to myself, Judge the interview with context. What? This guy is so, is so insufferable. He is such. Oh, I, I can't stand this guy. Um, but yeah, so if you ever needed any more evidence that. Um, that the uh, to CNN is state-run propaganda. Well, you know, look no further than Jen Psaki and Brian Stelter's interview. But, folks, we already knew that, didn't we? Didn't we already know that? I mean, come on. Speaking of state-run uh, uh, media and news and whatnot, I don't know if anybody saw this or not, but the Chinese issued a dire warning to the United States that they are they will be expanding their nuclear arsenal, and they will be expanding uh, into... Um, Areas like Taiwan and whatnot. And if the U.S. were to interfere, they will nuke us. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Look out. Here we go. Um, so, yes. So this is kind of a conversation that I want to have, is that the the whole thing with China, right? So, where do I even start with this? So, China looks like it wants to be moving into Taiwan and other places, right? They, they, they're holding very... Um, they're doing all kinds of things in the South China Sea. They're building up their military as we are. Uh, I saw this thing earlier today that the U.S. Air Force is moving its bases around. They're moving uh, fighters and other planes around from the Middle East into the uh, um, the uh, Pacific around China and Japan and things like that, building to what could be some kind of confrontation with China because of what they're doing. So the things that China is doing is that um, – which is almost a direct opposite of what the United States has been doing the last 30 years. So what China's been doing is that they go into Africa with brief, with briefcases, not bombs. They go into Africa saying they give out all these kinds of deals, saying we'll bring in Huawei, we'll bring in 5G, we'll bring in these phone companies. And they give what seems like a really good deal on paper, but then once the deal goes through, the payments are ridiculous and no one can afford it. So they basically have to default on all these loans, and then China steps in and they basically own this territory. That's what they're doing. They want to go into Taiwan because they have wanted Taiwan for a long time, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, but it's also interesting that Taiwan uh, manufactures a lot of uh, semiconductor chips, which I think is quite interesting that China might want to go into that country because not only do they produce the chips, they produce a lot of other stuff that comes from Taiwan. And then there's always the confrontation that we have with China and other countries as far as cyber attacks uh, and things like that. I mean, just this past week, there was a, or just this past month, we've had a cyber attack on a colonial pipeline, the oil pipeline, which threw everybody for a loop, and everyone freaked out over that. 
Then there was the attack on the, the meat processing plants. Those were shut down for a while. And then I just saw something interesting about Bitcoin is that the U.S. government was able to uh, get that the money that was paid in ransom in Bitcoin to the hackers on the pipeline. They were somehow able to get that money back, which to me I, doesn't really make any sense because if it's if it was paid in Bitcoin and it's on the blockchain, it's not really supposed to be able to, you're not really supposed to be able to track it. How you would actually go back and get it back to me it doesn't make any sense unless they were you know someone sent it back to them maybe or something i don't know maybe I, I don't understand how they were able to do that but there's all this confrontation with china and of course you always have the folks a lot of the neocons on the right who are saying china's the biggest threat they're building up their military they're moving in they're doing the things we used to do 20 30 years ago they say well we got to confront them now if that means war nuclear war whatever and I think, okay, that's a little crazy. And then you have people say, well, don't worry about what they're doing at all. It's not our fight, which I think is an interesting argument. So I guess the question is, what do we do with China? What do we, how do we confront them? Is there a legitimate uh, thing that you could do to step in and say, okay, this, no more of this? Because you, you look at what's going on with the Uyghurs and the camps. You look at what's going on, how John Cena basically humiliated himself and was forced to apologize to the people of China because of uh, things that he had said about Taiwan in a promo for a movie that we're doing, the Fast and Furious 19 or 20, whatever it is. Um, he, he made a mention that Taiwan was a country. Well, Chinese people don't like that. So he was forced to apologize in what looked like a hostage-style video. I don't know if you ever saw that. Please don't hurt my family. <laughs> I, I renounced what I said, and... Um, Okay. Yeah. Speaking in fluent Mandarin, which also is yeah. quite weird. Um, and then you see things like how uh, how how the, how Hollywood and Disney and other companies treat China with such kid gloves. You see how the NBA has completely bowed down to China because mm -hmm. there is a huge market out there. Some 500 million people want to consume uh, entertainment from the America, where it's Disney, uh, NBA, whatever. That's a huge customer base. There's a lot of dollar signs out there, folks. And it looks like John Cena got bent over backwards for just a few more dollars. So it's very interesting to see how they've all just basically bent over backwards and done everything they can to appease the CCP and the Chinese people. Meanwhile, they will never show any of that uh, in return. So you look at what they're doing with they're going into Africa, the, the things with Taiwan, the Uyghurs and the camps... Uh, the, just how their people in China are treated, the things that are going on with Hong Kong and the uh, the things that they're doing there, and the, the expansion outward from the mainland of China, and you see how President Xi is now going to be basically be the dictator-in-chief for life there, uh, and you see the, the economic warfare with the, the cyber attacks and the manipulation of currencies, which everybody does. But you see all these things, and you think, okay, what is a legitimate thing we could do to counter China? Well, I read this article from The Hill, and it says, To time to fight China's economic extortion, take a page from the Cold War. And he goes into all the things that I have laid out before. And um, basically, he, he comes up with, well, uh, it's time, Washington needs to, needs to wage a lawfare, which is a made-up word, just as aggressively as Beijing is, precisely, is presently doing. This means leveraging the law in our advantage as... Uh, our advantage and thinking uh, creatively to counter the influence in economic extortion of the, of the CCP. He says, we know how to do this. We did this throughout the Cold War. Develop smart, consistent, innovative policies, 
we can push back against China's efforts, not out of a protectionist desires, but the desire to have a free and liberal international order and trade based on the rule of law and not economic extortion. So my, my question is, okay, so where do we get off doing that? You say based on the rule of law. Well, whose rule of law? Ours? We can't impose our rule of law on the Chinese. That's kind of what a in an empire does. So you have one empire facing another empire because the Chinese empire is doing what they want to do because they're big and powerful. And now you want the now you want the the U.S. empire to come in and saying, well, because of our rule of law, because of Western values and things that we cherish and hold dear, you have to stop what you're doing. And if you don't, we're going to sanction the heck out of you. We're going to trade blockade the heck out of you. We're going to potentially bomb you and have a military standoff with you because we don't like what you're doing here in America. Where do we get off doing that? How are we any better by doing that? And that's not in any way dismissing what the Chinese are doing in Taiwan and other places or the, the, the camps with the Uyghurs. It's not dismissing that at all. But is it our fight? If China decides to go into Taiwan and take Taiwan... If it's a military action or if it's more coercive, they do it economically through extortion, whatever. Is that our fight? If Let's say let's change the scenario here. If we, for whatever reason, were to get invaded and attacked by Canada, would the Taiwanese people come to our aid? Probably not. Uh, not, not particularly. Not particularly. So why should we turn them in the same favor? I don't like these entangling alliances. We were warned against these kinds of things. That the entangling alliances such as that if you get into an agreement with a country, that if someone attacks them, invades them, whatever, you you are legally obligated to come to their defense. That to me is a terrible idea. So you're telling me, because somewhere along the somewhere along the way, politicians wrote on a piece of paper saying those things. Now, young men and women have to be put... Uh, Put in a situation where they could die because of words on a pa- from a, on a piece of paper from politicians. Is that really a good idea? No. So furthermore, if we is it really worth putting American lives at risk, putting the world at risk? Because they said if you if you f around, you're going to find out about nuclear war. Largely what they're saying. So are we really are we are we really going to risk World War Three? Nuclear war, the end of the end of it's human civilization, the end of the world over Taiwan. Is it really worth it? Now you're probably thinking, okay, so yes, it may not be worth it to get into a nuclear showdown over Taiwan, but Joe, you gotta draw the line somewhere. And I would agree with you. But how do we go about doing that? We know sanctions are an act of war. We know that uh, blockades, trade blockades are an act of war. Just look what happened in in Pearl Harbor with Japan. Those sanctions and trade blockades led to the attack. There's no denying that. Now, we don't have to get into whether it was necessary or not, but that's just largely one of the reasons why it happened. So you can go down that road because those things are an act of war. Sanctions, trade blockades, things like that. That's an act of war. Well, you could have the complete laissez-faire thing. This isn't our fight. We have no business dealing with anything in the Pacific. That's an interesting proposition. You could say, oh, well, we'll, do, we'll, we'll cherry-pick little things here and there. Well, we won't allow them to go any further in Africa. We, will, we won't allow them to, to expand in the South China Sea. 
Well, what right do we have to defend the South China Sea? I'm sorry, but that's on the other side of the planet. Our influence should end, really, at our borders. You know, I thought, I thought America first was putting America's priorities over everyone else's. America first was, we're not going to fight stupid endless wars in the Middle East. We're not going to continue to have all this confrontation with Russia and Syria and with NATO and things like that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to, you know, do global, um, you know, global minimum taxes on corporations like what Biden is suggesting we should do. We're not going to deal with the G7. We're not going to deal with the UN. And we're certainly not going to pick a fight with the second largest economic power and military power in the world, China. That's not America first. I thought America first was, hey, we got some serious problems here at home, right? So we're going to try to dispute a land. What's what's the old saying, Jacob? Never getting involved in a land war in Asia. Exactly. Never get involved in a land war in Asia. The great prophet from, from the Princess Bride once said that. So we're going to potentially get involved in a land war in Asia. Meanwhile, we have rising crime rates, crime rates here in America. Just the other day, our father told us about here in Atlanta. I think about two people a day come to the morgue for, with gunshot wounds. Don't know if that, don't know how true that is, but it, you know, that's that's a witness. A guy works in a morgue. You see the crime waves happening all across American cities. You see the problem we have with homelessness. You see the you see the problems we have with our own national debt. It's growing out of control. You have um, you have Janet Yellen saying that maybe it's time to raise interest rates. You have all these economic forums and all these people that work with the Fed and work in the, the economy and things like that saying we've got a real problem with inflation here. Biden wants to wants to spend almost six trillion dollars on just one package for infrastructure. That's a huge problem. We've got a problem where people aren't saving enough money. We've got outrageous student loan debts. Car loan debts. You've got people underwater on their on their mortgages. You got people that can't pay for childcare. You know the New York Yankees have got problems. You know we, we got these problems with the southern border. That's a big problem. We just had a cyber attack from some people who live in Russia on a colonial pipeline. The the pipeline that serves almost over half of the entire southeast with oil and gasoline. That's a problem. Maybe we should look at our cyber infrastructure. Who cares about Taiwan? We're almost almost $30 trillion in debt, and we want to fight another war? Sorry, folks, we can't afford it. There is, there's, I saw this headline. I think it was on the Hill. But can, can, the question was, can the, can the U.S. fight on a fourth front? So we're already in the Middle East, still, still out there, We've got ongoing covert operations in South America. We're all involved with Russia, countering Russia because of the great evil. We've got problems with NATO and the G7, and Biden is now reversing Trump's decision, and we're now going to support basically all of NATO. Now we've got problems with China. Where does it end? Does it ever end? So are you telling me, is it worth putting flushing down the entire American economy, the entire American culture to defend Taiwan. Is that really worth it? Because all you people, all you boomer cons, all you neocons will tell me, well, if we don't, China will take over. Well, if we go and fight for Taiwan, we still lose. We can't do this forever, folks. So at some point, you have to say, you know what? 
America first. I thought that's what you people supported with Trump. I thought that we took care of the problems here at home. We stopped building sandcastles in the Middle East. We stopped supporting the Saudis in Yemen. We stopped supporting you know, the, the, the rebels in us in Syria. We stopped doing the things in Iraq. We get out of Afghanistan. We stop all those things. We finally kick the UN out of the United States. Finally, we'll say, you know what, NATO? You're on your own. We stopped doing these things in South America, in our own backyard. We stopped doing all these things. We, st- we, we, we have a policy of international free trade, saying, you know what? If you want to do business with America, we will impose no tariffs, no restrictions, no quotas. And we hope you do, in this, we hope you do the same in return. Now sign here. That's a trade agreement. Not these hundreds, if not thousands of pages of corporate lobbyists getting what they want in NAFTA 2.0. I thought that's what America First was. Because that's what I supported when people say America First. Now you're probably thinking, oh, well, that's the paleocons. Well, I think they had a point. You know, we can't, we can't have a porous southern border and a welfare state and fight for Taiwan at the same time. You can't do it. So what do you think, Jacob? I mean, I, I think this is just one more excuse to get us back into involving in something. Because um, I think that um, support uh, is support for the wars in the Middle East are basically over. Um, I, I don't know who is still supporting these, these wars. Um, even if you just um, ask people that are apolitical and say, why are we there? They're like, yeah, why are we there? Um, I think the game's over for them, and I think that I think that uh, they gotta find something else. They gotta find something, something kind of like boogeyman. Um, Russia didn't really work. They're kind of done with Russia uh, now that now these boomer cons are moving on to 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 China, um, which I, I I don't know. Which is something that I predicted. Not that I'm some great Nostradamus over here. Yeah. I'm not sure if I 100% agree with um, China's this great enemy. I mean, China's definitely the, the biggest threat to us, definitely. Biggest adversary. Biggest adversary to us, just because of just um, not... I've always said, I said that America is not, the th- it is not threatened by any sort of some military power. Um, they're not going to... Um, so no, no country is going to do a Normandy D-Day to us. Um, it's just simply not going to happen. There's or too or too big. There's too many weapons everywhere. Um, there'd be way too early detection notices for it. Um, it never happened. Now, economically, different story. I still don't find that to be the most consistent because um, um, it'd be a brief understanding of the China's economics that uh, unfortunately they need our U.S. dollars more than probably we need them. Um, China is is a exporting um, powerhouse, and that's not that's no that's not brand new um, information. Uh, so they they need people to buy their crap, and if the U.S. is weak and we can't buy their crap, well, well, there's also the argument of the spoils of war, right? So if you if a country you know uh, dominates another country and they take over that the population, well, then they then now they have people that will buy their things. But then again, you would have to assume that before the Chinese get to America, they're going to have to pick off other countries along the way. 
So then you're going to also have to assume that the Chinese are going to do what the United States has done for the last 30 years, which is world empire, which yeah. is uh, toppling regimes throughout the world in favor of democracy. Well, we saw how that turned out, and it didn't work. Now we have problems like China and like Russia. So I just I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy that that uh, Xi Jinping is going to go all George W. Bush on the place and just throw everybody off and throw off all the dictators. I just don't think he's going to do that. I think the Chinese are much smarter than that. I think they're they're going to uh, lure people in with the you know with uh, with ni- with nice looking deals and then screw them in the in the long run. I think that's how they eventually do it. Um, I, I know I mentioned earlier about how the United States was sending a lot of its military air force and aircraft carriers and things like that over into the Pacific, which is a very alarming thing because there's only reason there's only one reason why they would do that is for a potential conflict with it with a, an adversarial power, China. So I think it's very interesting they're doing that. Now another interesting thing that dropped this past week. Was uh, for those of you who don't know, Daniel Ellsberg was um, was the whistleblower for the Pentagon Papers all those years ago, uh, back in the '60s, trying to end the uh, the um, the um, Vietnam War. Sorry, I hit a blank. So he also uh, released a study in that was conducted in 1958 about how close uh, we came to nuking China over dispute with, with Taiwan back in the 50s. So I think it's very interesting that they released this in the same time they were having these talks, or that China is saying that if we get involved with Taiwan, they're going to nuke us, and that they're building up their nuclear capabilities. So it's like someone's kind of poking the bear here. They're kind of stirring the fire, stirring the pot, just seeing if they can make something happen. Um, <laughs> to me, I don't have an answer on what you do. I support America first in the sense that, hey, maybe this isn't our fight. But at some point, okay, something has to be done about these camps, about the people. China is largely made up of very, very poor people that live in shacks that eat that make enough money to eat for that day. They live hand to mouth. A lot, that's what a large majority of the country is made up of. Then you see the problems with the Uyghur Muslims and Christians, how they're treated in China. You see the policies of the CCP and as far as they, how they treat religious, uh, how they treat religion and things like freedom of speech, you virtually don't have any. But then they basically set up Skynet, uh, encouraging people to rat each other out if they're not following, you know, the, you know, if not if they're spreading misinformation and things like that. Or, or the social credit score. Social credit score. Track yeah. you and then facial uh, recognition on street cameras. Yes, so you're given points based on good behavior and and you're taken away from points for being bad behavior or being around people who are who have a lower score. Um, it's very similar to the episode of Black Mirror yeah. called 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 um, Nosedive. Um, if you ever want to see what what China is is like and a very light version, you can go watch that um, episode. It'll scare the crap out of you. Um, just because that uh, that show is only maybe a decade in the future, as far as some of the concepts, some some of the technology yeah. that are in there, it's very scary of the things that they're doing. And you know, at some point, how something can be done, I just don't know how how we're going to do that. I do know that we have our own problems here yet again with the big tech censorship. They just said that Trump is not going to be allowed on Facebook and other social media platforms until twenty twenty three. After the midterm elections, so he's not going to be allowed to comment on the midterm elections, possibly endorse anybody on social media 
for the midterm elections because, you know, misinformation. So they're, very, they're virtually censoring the, one of the most popular men to have ever lived in this country, a guy that got 74 million votes. The, most more, popular, the, the most popular GOP candidate yeah. ever. The guy that got the most, they got the most, the most uh, ever votes by a sitting president uh, for re-election. It has never happened before. So you can't just silence him and if just want him to go away. You see how um, how they how the left and the progressives want to use the uh, Patriot Act and things like that against people <laughs> who supported or were sympathetic to the January sixth attack on the Capitol. That's a very big deal. Glenn Greenwald has has written at length about how the wars are not so much to be fought in in the battlefield, but they'll be fought online and things like that against the, the the social media censorship, the outright blocking of people off of these platforms. You see what they're doing to people like Steven Crowder, how they're basically silencing him off YouTube. The deplatforming, the, the, the shadow banning has gone on for years against conservatives and people who have who think differently against the group think. who aren't who aren't corporate democrats right and this is happening against like progressives yes. like glenn glenn greenwald's For a great example, example yeah. and jimmy doors and those people um the actual real progressives who dissident know dissident voices yeah the, the the ones who call out the, the corporate democrats when they call out the corporate republicans um they're they're they are right in the same camp as as most of the conservatives um the conservatives in this country and there's a potential chance for, for if they would just get past um, the fact that they that, that they sometimes disagree politically. There's a chance for them to unite against this and say no um, toward towards big tech censorship and, and a chance to unite on that front. Um, will that happen? Probably not. Um, but there's they have a common enemy. The common enemy is the government. Um, you know. Not I want I want to say turning a blind eye to what's going on in big tech, but basically propping it up. Um, you you cannot look at any, any of these big tech platforms and not see the connections between them and the government. It's it's blatantly ob- it's blatantly obvious. It's right there. Um, you know this is a this is a fascistic a fascistic style of um, like the government as far as its interactions with the economy. Yeah. You, like Jacob said, you see how the government and these social media platforms and other big corporations, you know, the, the left hand, the right hand washed each other. There's no separating the two. And you see how they want to, they're basically starting its own social credit score, its own, uh, like, uh, social, um, like what they're doing, like we said, like what they're doing in China. So you see, we're, we're supposed to fight a country with all of those bad things while we're doing the same things here at home. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to fight against a country while propping up the same one doing the same awful things to its own people. What's, what sense does that make? You're fighting for your oppressors at that point. And we're talking about international or the rule of law. Well, we don't follow the rule of law here at home. We went through a whole year of protesting and rioting and cities burnt to the ground. And people stood by and did nothing, Right. You had one retired police officer who who had enough of this nonsense, David Dorn, and went and defended the their, the very pawn shop that he bought his engagement ring to his wife from, and he ended up dying because of that. You had one hero in this whole story, nothing, silence from both sides, conservatives, progressives, Democrats, silence, nothing from them. So if we can't even pr- prop up our heroes, people that will defend our cities from the from the mob, from the from the woke mentality of the left 
We can't do that, but yet we can go and fight and save Taiwan. Sorry, folks, it can't be done. Um, but then again, I, I, I don't know what you do about these things. Is that even our responsibility? Why did why has it become the responsibility of the United States to to be the hammer and knock every nail of oppression out of the world? Why is that our responsibility? Why is it that we constantly go into these countries where people are oppressed, save them of their oppressors, and then yet we get nothing in return? I'm not saying you do it for those reasons, but at some point, these people who live in these countries have to take a stand for themselves and say, you know what, we're done with their oppressors. Like what we did in 1776, we kicked the British out. We shot at the cops, we shot at the crown, and we won. Maybe it's time for these people to do the same thing. I have no problem asking for something in return from from countries or, or, or from um, the whole relationship of us um, helping out the countries. What's in it for us? You know, we're putting look, a lot of blood and treasure look, on the line. If you're going to put a lot of blood and treasure on the line, even though, yes, I'm against going in um, and I'm basically against all forms of military action, um, unless it's voluntary. I think that, that that's a, it's a different statement, but. Look, if you're going to propagandize an entire population into going willing to die for um, the state, um, the least you can do is ask for something in return. Um, I have, I have, I have, I have no issue saying, okay, you know, like, you know, like some payment, please, or or something. Yeah. Because um, we're the ones up here putting everything on the line um, in this in this relationship. Uh, so I have no problem with that. As far as us getting involved um, further, uh, um, look, folks, well, we got problems here to deal with. Um, the fact that, you know, Biden, Biden increased the military budget. Um, well, his, his proposed budget has been increased in the military. So if you thought that you were going to, you know, the, the whole argument of the progressives and the Democrats, well, Hey, you know, if you just cut the military budget a little bit, then you'd have all this money for more free crap. Um, no, he actually increased the budget across the board, including the military. I know. Yeah. Shocker on that one that Biden was actually going to increase the military spending. Uh, but What's our what is it our business? Right. Um. You know. Uh. You leave. You leave well enough alone. And. Um. How is how is the relationship between China and Taiwan or China and the 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 um the crimes against humanity that they're committing, which is I mean, look, it's horrifying. Look. Uh. You you can find crimes against humanity anywhere anywhere in 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 this in, in this world, um, and there's no way we can be the policemen of it. But um, how, as I've, I've always said, whenever it comes to military action, how does China's relationship with Taiwan affect the life, liberty, security, and the pursuit of happiness of Americans? How does it? If you can't give me a solid answer, then I, I, I have I can never give consent to military action. I can't unless there is an immediate threat under that's under the current guidelines of, of what the military of, of what authorization to the military force. That's the constitution. Be. So, I mean, that's 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 going by your rules. Um, does. Does what's going on in, in, in Hong Kong and Taiwan, does that justify boots on the ground and risking mili- and American lives for, and again, the argument of, well, they're, they're, they're securing our freedom. So what freedom? 
We're losing it every day. Well, well, look, it, it, the argument about um, veterans and 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 um, service men and women who pass away is that, uh, and they pass away during during the line of duty is that well, they're saving our freedom. Um, they are they're protecting our protecting our freedoms. Okay, well, what freedoms are in China? What freedoms are in Taiwan? What freedoms are being taken away from those two countries? Um, you can't give me an accurate answer on that, and then I, I got nothing for you. Um, that's the only time you're supposed to be. That's the only time they're supposed to use military action under the current rules. Um, so if, if you can't give me an answer, then I'm I'm, I'm not gonna endorse it. I'm gonna call it out every time. Um, that, that that's why that's why for the most part I'm pretty much against the all the wars. Because um, I, I I don't see an argument of of our freedom being taken away that that we first didn't get involved and put our nose in places we shouldn't have gone and we had a we had you know a blowback effect. 9/11, Pearl Harbor, all blowback effects. So those two are those two. There's only two you know major terrorist or um, assaults on um, the, the the homeland from a from a foreign power are those two examples. So it, it, we had it coming. All right, screw around and find out with, with a lot of those examples. So uh, to end this topic before we get into the next one, because we'll just just a few minutes on the next topic. Uh, Scott Horton once said, and I completely agree with this. And I think it's a very true statement that if you're going to go out, if you're going to go through the world taking out uh, evil despots or fighting against crimes against humanity, you're going to have to restart the draft because there are so many things that happen all throughout the world, crimes against humanity that you will have to restart the draft because there are so many of them that we'll be fighting in literally everywhere. So, you know, if that's what you want, well, you be- you better go sign up to go fight because that's what's going to have to happen. So another thing that I saw on the Tweety today, and I, I see that Jacob's looking at it too, is that the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire had this to say on their Tweety account. It says, legalize child labor. Children will learn more on the job than in any public school. Yeah, another tweet that said, uh, at, the, at the very least, the minimum age to work in states um, is a state's rights issue. Federal minimum work ages are unconstitutional, which, again, is true. So this sparked a huge backlash from folks, libertarian and not libertarian, about the, oh, the horrors of child labor. So Gary Johnson says, uh, who also the very failed, gov- the very failed uh, presidential candidate for the LP in 2016, had this to say. Uh, I'm sorry, but no. This isn't what libertarian means to millions of Americans. Pushing a disturbing, disturbing, hmm. An out-of-touch stance on child labor is extremely detached from what people in, uh, need in America today. This does not advance liberty or help change people's opinions. Hmm. Disturbing. I don't think that the... I, I do not think for one second that the LP of New Hampshire wants to see children working in uh, coal mines. Because if that's what they want, well, then I'm against it. But I can guarantee you, that's not what they want, Gary. They want they want they want fourteen and fifteen year olds to go bag groceries at Kroger. Come on, could you could you expand your mind a little bit? They don't want kids working on the salt mines. They want kids working at grocery stores. Well, what, or pumping gas. Well, so what coal mines and what salt mines are there for for children to work? Right. Like there's all the examples of like the sweatshops I'm seeing in this comment section. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how many sweatshops exist in America right now. They no. don't. What, what, what he's talking about is the fact that many, many years ago, you would hire a fourteen to fifteen year old kid 
to pump gas and be a pump jockey. Or you would hire him to bag groceries. And, and, he, and, and do you know what he did? He worked for very, very little, but he wasn't there for the money. He was there for the experience. He was there to learn how to show up on time, be presentable, understand how to handle customers, understand how to be on time, how to how to responsibility respons- of being an adult. Responsible being an adult, how to how to how to respond and have a, a relationship with a employer who's not who's not a who's not a teacher. Yeah. Um but also an example of a pump jockey or someone who works at a gas station, you learn about cars, you learn about being a mechanic. Maybe maybe there happens to be a mechanic that works at, at a gas station because some of the gas stations have, like, you know, garages. Um, maybe, in fact, that that kid begins to be um, shadowed and mentored by that mechanic, and boom, he's got, a, he's got an education, he's learning how to do stuff like that. Um, uh Child labor is something that's interesting to me. Um, I do think there is an argument that that children are, are to remain in- innocent and um, that they shouldn't have to worry about things like um, getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go to work and that they should be um, they should be dedicated to being a kid and and learning as much as possible. Now, whether that be at work, whether that be at school, that's a conversation for the parents and a conversation for that family unit. I don't think it's a conversation f- for for government. Now, yes, I don't want to see kids out in the fields picking, you know, corn or something. Like, but we don't do that. But, 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 Adults we don't, don't, we don't do, do that. that. Adults don't do that. Um, it, the, the second part of this is that, that children will learn more in the job site than public school. Um, I could not agree with that more. Um, and you, all, all you got to do is just look at the current public school system in this country um, to understand that, um, look, I have learned far more about business and far more about um, – um, operating a business, learning more about about relationships, learning more about stuff like that at work and in my own private study than I have at business college. Um, business college has been, um, I mean, I've, I've learned some interesting things there, um, but as far as real-world applications and real-world stuff, um, I have all learned that in my day-to-day of work and my day-to-day of actually doing private um, research and, and listening to podcasts and reading my own books um, then I have reading some schmucks textbook over over some 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 person's overqualified textbook from some like professor. So some interesting comments that I liked on the Tweety. Uh, there's this lady who said, "Yes, 16 to 18 year olds who aren't interested in college or don't need a degree for their job uh, should be learning vocations while still having the option to return to college later on." That's a great. That's great. Uh, Joshua Smith said based. <laughs> no, I mean I, I agree. Um, I think that I think that, that that comes up to the family unit. I, yes. I personally I would not like to see you know anyone under the age of fourteen. I think that um, at that kind of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old age, I think it's when you can finally start taking more responsibility, and you've kind of you're kind of in that in between period of of learning to become an adult um, while still being a child. That's when you see most um, people in high school get jobs. Is that kind of fourteen to sixteen? That's a great age to start. Um, getting a getting a, a vocation, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be long. It could be five or six, five or six, five or six hours a week. Yeah, um, we're not talking about no no child at fourteen is working forty hours a week in America. Um, in America, I would be hard pressed to find. Well, first of all, it's probably illegal because it is illegal. Um, to find a fourteen year old working forty hours a week. And then Keith Knight, who uh, has a great YouTube show and is also a great follow on the Tweety and things like that. Really hit it home. He said, I work six hours a day, five days a week from five to 18 and never got paid. At least with a job, I learned something and got paid for it. Yeah. 
So going to school is work. Doing homework and all that kind of stuff is work. It's really no different than being than having an office job where you're constantly lectured to by your boss. There's not a whole lot different between those two. Now I had said um, I had said some things on on this. I, re, I re, re responded to Gary Johnson, and this is what I said. I was kind of proud of it. I said sending kids to indoctrination camps every day doesn't advance at liberty either. Yeah. Getting kids out of public school should be a priority of the LP. Encourage homeschooling, internships, learning on the job, learning on the job, especially during high school. So, I, I, yes, I've I have always said this, that from the ages, from when you are in middle school age, you should have learned really enough about how to read and write and basic math that by the time once you get into high school, it can be half and half. You go to school for half the day, maybe till like, I don't know, till noon. You you learn supplementary math and English and things like that. You sh- By that point, you should have learned enough history and science and stuff like that that you've got the gist. But once you've reached a high school age, you should have learned enough history and science and math and English to where you can be somewhat proficient in those things. Now, getting better at those things, that comes along with life because people who get out of high school are not perfect at it either. For me, myself, I'm terrible at math, just full disclosure here. But once you reach the age of 15 and 16, not only should you be doing half your, half your time at school, but you should be half the time out there on the job learning skills. Like, I, for me, for the life of me, I don't know why high schools canceled, you know, career days and things where people would go and they would bring in welders, and they bring in plumbers, and they would show them the trades, HVAC, things like that. They bring in long haul truckers. They would bring in all these other trades and these groups and people uh, who work in those fields and say, "Here, this is what we do. Are you interested? Does this interest you? Does welding interest you? Does being a mechanic interest you? What about a diesel mechanic, a marine mechanic, or working on Wall Street? Does finances interest you? Does the stock market interest you? Instead of no, learn, 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 book, 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 book." It should be, hey, here's what here's what people do in the real world. Do you like to cook? Do you like to sew? What about do you like shoes? Here, I'll t- uh, here, we'll bring in a cobbler and we'll show you how to make shoes. You like farming? Let's bring in some farmers and some combines and let people touch and feel combines and things like that. Get them exposed to the real world instead of locked inside of us of a, of a you know a minimum security prison for eight hours a day. Now, what about sports? Yeah, they can still do sports. Play football, play baseball, do it all, enjoy your high school years. But there should also be getting you ready for the real world and getting you ready to to step into the workforce. It shouldn't be when you turn 18, now you start thinking about a career and a job. When you're 15 and 16, you should should already be, be working your way to those careers and jobs. So college should be reserved for people that go into truly higher education. You want to be a lawyer, you want to be a doctor, things like that. You want to go into high finance. Maybe there's some, you can take some accounting classes and economic e- economical classes at a higher level. That's what college should be saved for. Not, oh, I want to go be a hairstylist. You should not have to go to college to be a hairstylist. That's completely stupid. And that gets into another thing of, you know, uh, you know, license and laws and things like that. But that's what I've always felt about the education system, how you can make things better and change things, because we spend a lot of money on education, and we're not getting a whole lot for it. Yeah, I think it was offering choice. 
Giving people options. I mean, giving people options. Even if you had a system like in a private school where it was like a class that you took, um, and you know that was a part of like that was a part of your semester, or that was, or like that was your period was a certain type of trait that someone would taught and taught you how to do a certain trait, um, or an entire day was that you would go work on the job site or you would go work in high school, um, you would be mentored and you'd be shadowed by somebody. Uh, I think that'd do way more for society. Um, you know, learn to code. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why every child. I'm against public education, but if you're gonna actually spend the money, I don't know why every kid is not fluent in JavaScript and all these other um, languages and computer languages. Every child should know how to do basic computer programming because it That's is the, the is the future, and it is a way to to be your own entrepreneur by building your own website. You have you skills to do commerce skills, real skills. Look. Being able to do to do advanced calculus, cool. I can't do it, but if you can, awesome. Good learning about learning about advanced histories and learning about advanced um, different literatures, cool. I'm all for it in your spare time. But will that actually help you in the real world be a productive citizen? Absolutely not. Um, unless you're going into a field that deals with calculus and advanced levels of geometry and algebra, you're not going to use any of that crap. Um, but but do you know what? And chances are you probably might have a use for learning to code learning how to build a website learning how to build your own um commerce space online that is what you can do even if you don't use it a whole lot that's more uh, valuable that's that's more of a value than learning uh ancient uh literature now yes those things are important to, to know and remember and teach but that's not what society is structured around. Society is structured around people being productive and producing value. That's how this economy turns. That's how the world moves, folks. So the more we pr- pursue that, the better the world will be. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I know this has probably gone a, a little too long, but thanks for listening, everybody. I'll be back here on Wednesday with the Joe Show. We'll have, where I'm cooking up something real good. I don't know what it's, it's going to be yet, but it's going to be good. Um, then we'll be back on Friday. Uh, with an episode of the Standing Brothers Show, which you're listening to right now. Um, follow us on the Tweety. Check out Jacob's Substack. Go get you a T-shirt. Get you a sticker. Uh, become a Patreon member. Join the website. Send us some money if you want to. Uh, send us an email. The email will be down there below. But until next time, folks, Listen, uh, see you later.